Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Everybody do their homework. Romans 8. We are going to be breaking that down this morning. And if we have time to, the other message that I have prepared or the Lord has prepared for us. I want us to, she's got us in verse 10, but I want us to go to verse 1 first. We're going to break this down real quick. John chapter 3, verse 1. Is everybody with me so far? How about an amen this morning? Amen. 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 Okay, good. <laughs> Keep your focus this morning. Our hearts always drifting. I know it's an important message because the, the, the devil fills me with anxiety and emotion to try to break this and scramble my mind. I know it's a very important message for us this morning, so please be attentive and prepare your hearts. First one. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. So they already knew that he, who he was. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Or the Greek translated could also be translated by the wind. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from, it is where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the spirit so we have to understand the kingdom of god is a spirit a spiritual kingdom it's a kingdom that we can't see it's a kingdom that we are going to see when we go home to be one but when we're born again he puts his spirit in us and we become like him in spirit not in the flesh you can never become like jesus in the flesh all of us try to do that and we fail correct we understand so that's why we need the spirit so let me just keep going here look at verse 10 Jesus replied, oh, let me just go back, go to 9. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? Yeah, because they knew things through religion, not through the spirit. That's why they couldn't understand what he was saying. 
I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Big amen there, right? There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Thank God. We're never going to get judged for our sins again. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. But people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. That's why when people talk about Jesus, it convicts them. They don't want to hear about it. They shut the Bible. They don't want nothing to do with it. They love this sin better than the Savior. And amen for this. But, there's a Bible but, those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Big amen, right? So what? We come to the light, we get saved, we come to the light and we start doing things by the way of the light, which is the truth of God's word instead of the ways of the world. And people can see a difference in us because we no longer follow them principles. Now, when we first become believers, we've been inherited them principles since we've been born. And we live by them even as we become Christians. But as we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord, the world becomes less and less attractive to us and the things of the world and the things of the word become more and more important to us. Amen. This is a process that takes hold of us over time. Now, I have a scripture for us that came to me this morning, and I hope you can find it. Nahum, chapter 1. So just go back in your index and look for it, because it's not a popular, not popular. Talk about God's character. <laughs> Pages are going to turn for a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> Nahum, who's that? <laughs> get there, though. Please open your Bible and get to Nahum chapter 1. 
The power in your life is in that word, no other place. Fail to pick up the word, fail to receive the power. Like they always say, sin will keep you from the Bible, and the Bible will keep you from sin. Amen? Okay, look at verse 3 of Nahum chapter 1. The Lord is slow to get angry. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Teach me to be slow to get angry, Lord. Right? All of us. We all need to be slow to get angry. But his power is great. Listen to this. And he never lets the guilty go unpunished. Let me tell you something. If somebody did something, nobody gets away with anything, okay? Just understand that. If somebody hurts you or harms you, please forgive them and leave them in the hands of God. God always judges fairly. He judges more fairly than we do. So please, listen to what the Bible says and forgive. So God can forgive you and you won't get the torment. He displays his power in the whirlwind and the storm, right? How do you know the spirit comes? They call it the wind. The billowing clouds are the dust beneath his feet. At his command, the oceans dry up and the rivers disappear. That's how powerful our God is. The lush pastures of Bashan and Carmel fade, and the green forests of Lebanon wither. In his presence, the mountains quake, and the hills melt away. The earth trembles, and its people are destroyed. Who can stand before his fierce anger? Who can survive his burning fury? His rage blazes forth like fire, and the mountains crumble to dust in his presence, the mighty hand of God. You want him on your side, not against you. The Lord, listen now, look at verse 7. This is it. The Lord is good and a, a good, strong refuge when troubles come. Let me ask you this. When troubles come, do you go to the Lord or do you go to the world? It says, the Lord is good, a strong refuge when troubles come. He is close to those who trust in him. See, when you put your trust in the Lord, he's close to you. And he what? He's a strong refuge. We run to him. Instead of anything else, he is close to those who trust him, but listen to this one. But he will sweep away his enemies in an overwhelming flood. He will pursue his foes into the darkness of night. So, listen, we have this mighty power of God inside of each and every one of us. If you trust him and believe in him and obey what that word says, nothing will fail you. It will always succeed in your life. The problem is unbelief and a lack of trust in God. When you trust him, he will come through for you. But we have to be patient. God's not like some genie that just snaps his fingers. He works through people, places, and things. If you know your Bible, that's how he has always worked. Big amen there, right? All right. Good scripture there. I want us to turn to Romans chapter 8 now. So far on this? Okay. We're gonna break we're gonna break this down. 
so we get a good understanding of what you've been reading. <clears throat> okay. The contents of the verse. The freedom of believers from condemnation, verses 1 to 9. Their privileges as being the children of God, verses 10 to 17. Their hopeful prospects under tribulations, verses 18 to 25. And their assistance from the Spirit in prayer, and verses 26 and 27. Their interest in the love of God, in verses 28 to 31. And their final triumph, becoming like Christ, through Christ, verses 32 to 39. So we're going to talk about this scripture. We're going to read it and then break it down. Our experience of being a child of God. The spiritual walk. The power of a godly life. And the continued experience of conflict. The ongoing battle of the spirit over the flesh. In Christ Jesus, since we are in him, Certain awesome consequences are assured. Does everybody in verse, go to verse 1 now? Let's break this down. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to come back and break it down. Life in the Spirit. So, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature or our flesh. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So the Bible tells us clearly that's a choice. Whatever you want to let control, you will. We're going to get further into this. Just stay with me now. Stay focused going to get an important message here. It's going to help you. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. So he's saying in our flesh we can't obey God and his laws and we never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sin nature can never please God. Now can a Christian still be under the control of their sin nature? Absolutely. We all know that. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you 
So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life or is alive. So let me just share this with you. What kills us? What do you think we die from? We die from sin. Sin is what kills us. Our sin nature and the things our sin nature do make us die. First we die spiritually and then it kills us physically. Can I get an amen for this? That's why God says, I'm going to put my spirit in you so you can live forever. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. Okay? Verse 11. Or because you have been, oh no, or your spirit is alive, because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So you have the resurrected spirit living in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. What's he saying there? Your mortal bodies will become a spiritual body. And even after we die, we're going to have new resurrected spiritual bodies. Oh, thank God. This one's breaking down. I can't wait for that new one, right? But he's saying, right now, you can have that spirit life in you right now, and you can enjoy some of that now. Because it's a, it's a, the promised land is a state of mind. Therefore, look at verse 12. Dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Our sin nature always urges us to do things that are not of God. Can we all agree to this? We do. Our sin nature is just one bugger. We don't realize how strong our sin nature is until we try to say no to it. Then we see how powerful it is. Now listen. Look at verse 13. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. As a Christian, if you turn and make a choice to live back in your sinful nature, you will die spiritually again. And all of us know, when our flesh takes over, our spirit gets further and further from God. But if through, now, see, now, but if through the power of the spirit, not the flesh, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. Big amen there, right? So, You have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic term for Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, listen up now. Let's get this right. We must also share in his suffering. See, a lot of places will teach you that you don't have to suffer anymore. They're lying to you. When you become a Christian, you will suffer for doing the right thing. It says it right here. If we're to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. And if you're taught the wrong thing, once we suffer after we become Christians, we walk away from God. I thought God was going to bless me. He has blessed you. He's blessed you by giving you a new life and guaranteeing your place in heaven. That alone is enough. 
to worship him for the rest of your life. But no, we're human. We want more. All this in heaven too. God says, no, doesn't work that way. You have to die. And I have to live my life through you. And the process is the crucifixion of the flesh that we all go through. The fight between the flesh and the spirit. Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I want to do the right thing. I find myself doing the wrong thing. Romans 7. You can all agree on this, right? Including myself. The more I try to do this in the flesh, the further away I get from God. I can't do it. The law gives sin its power. Whenever you make a law, your body says, why? Why can't I touch the wet pain? When you never thought about touching it, if there was a sign that said don't touch wet pain. Right? It gives sin its power. Speed limit, 55. Why do I have to drive 55? I'm going 65. Well, if you don't, you're going to get the red and blue lights behind you. That's why. And it's for the safety of the people. See, they give you the speed limits not just to protect you, but protect others. But I'm going to get somewhere fast. God's going to protect me as I speed. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm saved. I'm lawless. This, this called, what they call lawless Christianity, and whoever's teaching that gets far away from them. Because we're to obey the laws of the land here. Amen? All right. Now look what it says in verse 18. The future glory. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Do you believe that? You've got to believe that when it's happening. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Amen. We're going to be free of that sin nature someday. Just imagine. Never have to contend with that again. When we get to heaven, eternal bliss. You realize what the Bible promises us once we go there? No more sin nature. Everybody's going to love unconditionally, always. Just imagine days like that. Total bliss. No ill will against anybody, no ill will against us. Nobody doing anything to hurt anybody. All of us will be Christ-like. That's, that's what the new kingdom's going to be like. But unfortunately, it's not like that now, is it? But we're to practice now for what's going to happen then. That's what God's preparing us for what he has prepared for us. Can I get an amen for this? That's why our job is to be ready when he returns, not to find out when he's coming. It's to be ready to become like him when he does return. A lot of people get off track and try to figure all this stuff and decipher the Bible when the Bible says, you can't figure me out, so don't even try. He said, just become like me, so when I do come, you'll be like this. And you'll be happy. You won't put your head in shame that I didn't get ready, Lord. I should have. Even though that's all going to be washed away. You want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Okay. Everybody with me so far here? Okay, look at verse 21. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. 
Tell me about it, right? We as Christians, we groan. Lord, how many times do you say, oh, Lord, come back soon? Right? Can we only agree on it? Come back soon, Lord. But actually, that's a selfish statement because we should be bringing other king, people into the kingdom while we're here. That's why God is slow. So we can get all his children into the kingdom. And that's why he saved us. So we can get others into the kingdom. Not build our own. But build his kingdom. The truth of the word. For we know, verse 22. See, do we know this? That all creation has been groaning. As in the pains of childbirth. Right up to the present time. And we believe is also grown. Even though we have the Holy Spirit. See it? Within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. You know it as well as I do. When you want to live right for God, we just want to get rid of this. Oh my goodness. I want to live for you, Lord. Please take this away from me. The Bible tells us not to love the things of the world. When you love the things of the world, the Bible tells us clearly that you don't have the love of the Father in you. So if you're loving the things of the world, check yourself and make sure. Now it says, we too wait in eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. Amen to that. Including the new bodies he has promised us. How many of us want a new body? Come on now. <laughs> we get old, right? And what do people do? They try to make themselves young again, right? So they get a bunch of body fill and throw it all over their face and their body and try to stay young. And then the rest of you looks like it's falling apart, but everything else is perfect everywhere else. And then you have to come to the body shop again. <laughs> they have a show on TV called Overhauling. And that's what people try to do with their bodies. Try to make them young again. They said, listen, I don't want to be any young. I want to be closer to him. I don't want to stay down here any longer than I have to. And give me men for this. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. If you want to do that, go for it. It's not going to stop you from getting into heaven. It's going to cost you a lot of money. <laughs> And Blue Cross don't cover that. <laughs> Gravity gets a hold of us, right? And starts sinking. Everyone wants to get lifted back up again. But we can't stay ahead of it, can we? Before it starts, you know, we still want to look good, you know. But we're seasoned. We're seasoned. I don't say we're old. We're seasoned. We have a lot of wisdom and knowledge. We've been through a lot of things. You know? And, we, and our bodies show the scars from getting beat up by life. You can't escape it. You see some of the stars that have plastic surgery all their life. You look at them and say, who the heck is that? They look dead. They look dead. In the process of staying alive, you look dead. I don't want to stay any longer than I have to. I'm just going to get old gracefully, take care of myself the best as I can, and then go home to be with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Stay focused on what's important. Right? 
We long for new bodies to release his name. We also wait for our full rights. Now, this is what it says. Including, look at verse 24. We were given this hope when we were saved. Okay? We had that hope. The moment we were saved, it was a guarantee. If we already have something, then we don't need for hope. Right? We don't have to hope for it if we already have it. That's why we have to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, here it is. We must patiently and confidently <laughs> wait, right? And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. I don't know, I get like that sometimes too. I'll go fall on a prayer and then it's like, I draw a blank. But God knows my heart and I want to pray for people and everybody else. But sometimes it gets like scrambled eggs. But the, believe me, don't ever be discouraged when your prayer life. You get on your knees and your, and, your, and your intentions are right. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And he speaks with groanings like we don't understand. God takes care of us. Amen. Don't ever get confused about that. It's just the devil trying to make you not be able to pray. But the Holy Spirit knows our heart. And he knows. So don't, don't fear not, the Bible says. For we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Look at it. Look at it. We don't want to, you don't know. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts, why am I telling you this? Because this is what it says. Knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers, or God's holy people, in harmony with God's own will. And we know, listen now, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You love God and you fulfill the call for you. He says it's going to make it all work out. We can't understand God's ways, okay? His ways are higher than ours. Just hang in there. For the good of those who are called according to God's purpose for them. Listen to what it says in verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. He saved us to become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn or would be supreme again among many brothers and sisters. Jesus is the head, and he's the firstborn, and we're all becoming like him as we grow in our grace and knowledge of him. That's why he saved us, to become like him. And look at verse 30. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. You are flawless in God's eyes, believer. Not in your own, in God's. That's what the Bible teaches. Do you believe it? Yes. He gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Now look at this. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is, with, is for us, who could ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Nothing in us. Everything through him. 
Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Now look at verse 35. The devil is going to make you feel different than what's the truth. You listen up good here. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? The devil will say, God doesn't love you. Why are you suffering right now? God doesn't love you. Oh, yes, he does. See, the devil will try to make you think different. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. Psalms 44, 22. No. Big Bible, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced. Now I'm going to ask you, are you convinced? Are you convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love? Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, nor rulers, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? How about a hand clap for the Lord? Come on. Yeah. Nothing can separate us from that. Don't let the devil trick you into thinking that it can. Tell me that wasn't a beautiful verse. All right, let's go into it a little bit now, all right? Yeah. Although we really got all of it. But I'm going to make you understand it a little bit better. Okay? In verse 1, in Christ Jesus, since we are in him, certain awesome consequences are assured for us. There's no condemnation on earth or in eternity. There is no punishment for us. Christ has taken our punishment, like it tells us in Galatians 3.13. We should not condemn ourselves or others even when we or they fall short. 1 John 3, 19 to 20, which we went, we, we, no, we didn't go on 1 John, but 1 John 3. Our confidence is in Jesus Christ and his righteousness, not in our own work. Don't ever trust yourself. Verse 2, the new law of love is the dominant influence in our lives. We have the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and the law of sin is death is finished with they no longer have dominion over us or power over us. Big amen. amen. In verse 3, the weakness of the law, it could never change the heart, for it could only condemn us. It was weakened by the sinful nature. Hebrews 7.23 tells us that. Since the priests all died and those who offered sacrifice were not actually changed in the heart by them, we have the righteousness of God apart from the law. The righteousness is fulfilled in us, not by us. Amen. This means we ought to live righteously, exercising practical obedience. We do not live for reward, nor are we driven by guilt or fear. Amen. 
God sent his own son, his deity, in the likeness of sinful man, his humanity, but without sin, in desire, attitude, action, and word. Christ came to deal with sin, to be a sin offering, to condemn sin. And, we won, and he won this victory in the flesh and his physical body. In verse 4. Is everybody with me here? All right, I can tell. Everybody's paying attention. That's awesome. Don't let the devil slide you. The consecrated walk, the ram of Genesis 22, as we walk according to the Spirit, this is the glorious possibility of all who are in Christ. There is the law in our hearts and minds now, as in Jeremiah 31 and 33, Ezekiel 11. And imputed righteousness becomes demonstrated righteousness. We have the righteousness of God in us, and then the righteousness comes out of us because we have it in us. Amen? It's not to show up. Like I said, the fruit of the Spirit takes a while to show up. Like I said, you plant an apple tree in the ground. How long does it take before the apples show up? He plants his seed in your heart when you become a believer. It takes a while for the fruit of the Spirit to take over the spirit of the flesh. Amen. Hey, amen. Just give yourself a break. None of us are perfect. We're all works in progress. If I was to try to be perfect, I wouldn't be able to come up here because I fail all the time. I failed as soon as I opened my eyes this morning. The wrong thoughts come into my head. Worry, fear, anxiety comes in. Am I the only one that goes through this? No, all of us still have that, right? But the Bible calls that sin. Sin is not some big, nasty thing that you do. Sin is not trusting God. And letting the anxiety, fear consume you. The spirit of the anxiety, the spirit of fear, the spirit of worry, the spirit of despair, instead of the spirit of love, the spirit of joy, the spirit of peace that comes into us. Amen? That's what God put in us. Those are spirits. People think they're emotions. They're spirits. The spirit of condemnation, the spirit of anxiety, the spirit of depression. These are spirits that come into the believer's mind. God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. How many times do we feel like scrambled eggs? That's from the devil. Can't figure things out. People think their emotions, their spirits. When you understand these things, you can say no to the spirits and yes to the fruit of the spirits. Because I have them spirits in me. Alright, verse 5 to 8. The difference between the flesh, natural human life, and spirit quickened human life. The difference is not between saved and unsaved, since the saved can live in a carnal, unspiritual way. We need to set our minds on the things of the spirit. To be spiritually minded, subject to God, learning to think of Christ and to think the way he thinks. If we are full of ourselves, then we cannot please God. The constant challenge here is to walk in the way of Christ, but there is a repeated encouragement to carry on. God always encourages us. Keep going. Never give up. 1 Corinthians 13, love never gives up, never loses hope, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstances. You have that in you. You have to believe it. 
When you believe it, you receive it. And the power of the enemy leaves us. That's why the power, the enemy of the world, the world is dominated by the devil. And those are all the things he puts in our minds. The spiritual life, he puts the spirit of peace in us. That's the promised land. Love, joy, peace, patience, tolerance, long-suffering. Those are what God puts in us. We can't produce that. We produce the other stuff. Amen. Amen. Everybody thinks spirits are things flying around. No. Anger is a spirit. The spirit of anger. You know it as well as I do. What does anger do when you get mad? It says, don't sin by letting anger control you. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Why? You know it as well as I do. It comes out of your mouth when you get angry. And the things you say can't be controlled. You are actually being possessed at that moment. It's not some green dude turning his head around spitting out pea soup. You're possessed at that time when anger is taking hold of you and it's coming out of your mouth and you're degrading and you're yelling at someone, screaming at him, and you can't stop till it runs its course. That's when you're being possessed by the devil. Then after, after it all subsides, sorry, I didn't mean that. You know what I'm saying, right? Why? What come over me? There's people that end up in jail, blacking out with anger, end up killing somebody, and don't understand how it happened. Something took over them, and they do it. They were possessed. Then they wake up in a prison cell. That's how dangerous anger can be for a believer. Not only can you kill somebody physically, but your mouth can kill somebody spiritually. We're supposed to speak words of edification and love. That's like what you speak is what's in your heart. So when you get angry, God is showing you what's really in your heart. It's not that you didn't mean it, it's the truth. How many of us still get angry? Thank you. We're here to get better. We're here to heal from that. When anger comes, we have to what? Channel it away and say, no. God is love, not anger. Wherever there's hate, you sow love. You have to remove it and replace it. In verses 9 to 11, the evidence of the work of the Spirit. Statement of fact. Listen now. We have to close. We're running out of time. We're going to get back into this. We are in the Spirit since the Spirit of God dwells in us. He is also called the Spirit of Christ, working to manifest the character of Christ. That character is the essential evidence in the indwelling Spirit. Here, too, is sufficient resource for us to live according to the Spirit. This is also why sin grieves the Holy Spirit. So you have to understand, sin doesn't, sin doesn't hurt God. Your sins have been paid for. He doesn't see him anymore. Your sins hurt you. And they hurt other people. That's why God hates sin so much, because it hurts his children. It doesn't hurt him. It hurts you. For he dwells in us. That's why sin grieves the Spirit. For he dwells in us and loves us. Okay? But we are now able to please God something an unbeliever could never do. Since we have the Holy Spirit in us now, we can please God by living a life that way because he's given us that power to make the choice to do it. But we have to grow in that choice. Spiritual life is a choice, something we have to grow into. We grow out of the world and we grow into the Word. 
That's why you have to read the word every day. Every day. So it can transform you. By renewing your mind. Can I get an amen for this? Alright, we're going to have to stop there. As we broke down 9 to 11. But we'll get back into it and break the rest of it down when we get together again. Don't worry, there's always time. So keep studying Romans 8. You're going to get a good grasp of this. In the Holy Spirit. We're going to get this church. We're going to get it right. This church is going to get it right. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. Because I love you. I want to see you get it. And enjoy the life down here. All right, the ushers are going to come forward to take up the collection. Thank you for being generous with us. And we're going to stand. And Brittany's going to come up and sing.
with a message. Then I'm going to come up and close us. Father, thank you for the awesome opportunity it was this morning, Lord, to not only gather with my fellow believers, Lord, but to hear an awesome message from your word, Lord. Lord, we need to have confidence and faith in you, Lord. Every single day, Lord, we're constantly tested in our trust and our faith, Lord, and in our patient endurance, Lord. I pray with your guiding hand and your mercy, please watch over us. Give us that patience, that endurance, that faith that we need in you, Lord God, to trust you, Lord, and to understand that your love is eternal and forever with no ifs, ands, or buts. Yes, Let us have that confident hope in you every single day of our lives, Lord, even during the trials with that spiritual maturity and that wisdom that you have given us, Lord, with no conditions tied to it. And Lord, I pray with these things. In the confident hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thanks, David. All right, everybody, have a great day. God bless. Till we meet again, God bless. Peace.